Hello, hello, good morning, buenos dias, bonjour, bonsoir, wherever you are. <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Huddle Thursday Spiritual Matters Edition. I am your host, Dr. Monica Gando. Today we're going to be talking about can you be, can you be both spiritually grounded, centered, and materially rich? And I have a quote for you that will address that because we're going to be using the quote and breaking it down. It's going to be the basis. It's basically the outline of our conversation today. And the quote comes from um, a philosopher whose name is Evan Cesar. And he says, success is the good fortune that comes from aspiration, desperation, <laughs> inspiration, and perspiration. So we're going to talk about that. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to the Daily Huddle. Well, hello. How are you? I am so happy that you are here. We are going to be talking about whether you can be spiritually grounded and materially rich. And you probably, when you saw the, when you saw the little placard for the little postcard for our announcement for today, uh, you probably made up your mind about where you stand on that. Some of you are, of course, of course, you can be spiritually grounded and materially rich. I'm living proof of that. Then there are some of you that are like, mm, I don't know if I'm a spiritually grounded or materially rich, honey, but I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible, but I'm trying. And then some of you are saying, I don't know if it's possible. Um, and it's no use in trying. And those folks are probably not listening to the Daily Huddle, truth be told. But, you know, we're going to we, we welcome everybody. So if you're the kind that's like, I'm, I'm only here to watch you fall on your face because that's that's a wrong premise to begin with. It's not possible. We're going to love you through your pessimism. That's fine. <laughs> so the reason why I love this quote from Evan Cesar is it really breaks down the areas in which we sometimes find ourselves, sometimes all at the same time, and sometimes in any given space of our lives. So I wanna, I wanna go back to those four points. The success is the good fortune that comes from um, aspiration, desperation, inspiration, and perspiration, right? So there's, there's this aspirational aspect of our lives that has us desire something, that has us hope for something, that we may not necessarily have experienced it, um, but we want it to be true. Right? That's what aspiration is. And, and then we go for it, for it. We go for this thing that we want so much for it to be true, to be useful, to be helpful, to be reality. And we go and make it happen or try to anyway. Desperation, of, of course, is, you know, listen, I got to make something work. <laughs> and you have heard me say, I'm sure you've heard this um, saying of there are no atheists in foxholes. And when we get to the point of being, quote unquote, desperate, when we get to the point of 
um, oh my God, I have no answers. Then we start looking. That desperation forces us to look within, to look uh, where, from whence does my help come, <laughs> right? And, and we start to see that you can make some stuff happen out of desperation. It's not a sustainable strategy, Lord have mercy, but it, it's helpful in some time. Um, and then inspiration comes from within. It's not something that you desire out there. It's, it's a divine download. It's an inkling. It's a, it's a urging of the soul that says, go this way, go that way, stop this, start that, right? And so then the perspiration, of course, is just good old fashioned. Well, what are we going to do about this? We're going to talk about aspiration, desperation, inspiration, and perspiration. And can you be materially rich and spiritually grounded? I think that, uh, first, um, let's give you some historical context. When people in politics and in government discovered that they could use religion as a way to govern, then, then the two kind of became conflated. Um, and this is where we get the practice of um, popes. Uh, for example, in the Catholic Church, one of the, one of the practices or one of the sacraments was confession. And it wasn't a sacrament that was useful spiritually for the confessor, it was something that was useful for the priest hearing it <laughs> because this is how they got intel on the neighborhood <laughs> to be able to report back to the mayor or the president or the, you know, the, the emperor or whatever. Uh, and I get favors in that way. So they were the first, the first spies were Catholic priests hearing confessions. I don't know if you know that. Sorry to burst your bubble, everybody. Um, but the, the conversation around using somebody's spirituality to control them, to get them to do what you want them to do, et cetera, et cetera. That, that has been long used in human history, right? And so obviously, if there is a group of people who are interested in hoarding as much material resources as possible, we're gonna make it morally wrong for you to get some of these resources, because I wanna keep them. Not because it's actually wrong, but because I don't want your grubby little hands on my on the wealth that I have hoarded, <laughs> right? And so we're gonna make, uh, we're, but we're, but you do not want to hear it from me. So we're gonna ascribe it to God. We're gonna say God, you can't serve God and Mammon, right? But nobody said anything about serving God with Mammon. I can serve God with Mammon. You know what I mean? And so I want you to think about what are some of the conversations that you yourself have around this either or dichotomy that sometimes we've, we've just learned to swimming in the water of our society that says you can't really be spiritually pure and also be concerned about money or wealth or um, financial sustainability, et cetera. Particularly, I want you to think about it from this perspective, particularly because we see that financial stability or material wealth, et cetera, is so lauded in this society. So it's, it's almost like this bait and switch. It's almost like uh, I want you to want it, but I don't want you to have it, right, in this society. It's like go after it and be, be wanting it, but, but don't boast about it too much and don't, 
make it all about that, et cetera, because then that means that you're a bad person. And nobody says that in like in the in that direct kind of way, but it's just kind of like in the water, right? I want you to think about why, why would someone set it up that way? What would I be distracted from if I did not feel this conflict? In other words, what would I be available for? I should, I should rephrase that question. What would I be available for that I'm not currently available for if I did not have this conflict of God versus mammon? What if it's a false conflict? Because the way I hear it, I'm gonna be truthful to you. The way I hear it is when somebody says something like that, I hear it like, so would you say the same thing of you cannot serve God and my breath? Because I kind of serve, I kind of need my breath in order to serve God. If God is to be served or expressed. Would you say you cannot serve God and have a roof over your head? Does that even make sense? And so I just, I want us to think about this. I want us to kind of like play with it. I want us, and you know, it might be messy. It might be contradictory. That's fine. That's the whole point of, of digging in and figuring out how it is that we feel about certain things and where it is that we stand. Um, so I want to open the conversation up. Like what? What conflict do you feel around this? Do you feel that um, go, going after money or going after, you know, sometimes people talk about in entrepreneurial circles, the breaking the six figure ceiling or breaking the seven figure ceiling, or, you know, um, you see a, a, an uprise of the influencer culture and everybody's fussing for the gram and just, here's my yacht and here's my car and here's a this and here's that. And these are all little symbols of wealth. Um, but somehow we have it like symbols of wealth are anathema to a symbol or a gesture of spiritual groundedness. Do you feel that way? Consciously or unconsciously? And if you do, where did that come from? And does it resonate for you? Does it still hold true for you? Or is that just kind of like, that's just the water we're swimming in? I want to talk about it. What do you think? Yes, Sahara. I love this conversation because it definitely resonates with me. And I'll tell you when it pops up, like I just feel in a quandary, mm -hmm. um, especially when I lived, when I go to big cities, which I love to do, or when I lived in East Atlanta, we would see homeless people everywhere. And we're not especially religious, but my husband would always stop and give them something and say, it might be Jesus. <laughs> 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 where, where, where does that end? And how can I sit in my warm, toasty car with my hot coffee and stare out the window at someone hungry, cold, no matter how they got there is not relevant to me. But is that help? I, I, that is where I really, really struggle. And sometimes even when I flip on my fireplace, when it's cold outside, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's guilt. I think it's definitely gratitude. And then I feel like I must be the wealthiest person on earth. And I, it is a struggle for me. Like, I don't know how to find peace in that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for presenting that. It speaks. I mean, I think a lot of us have that kind of cognitive dissonance about it. Yeah. Anybody else want to share something? Yes, Chase. <laughs> I think this conversation is interesting because we talk about people like um, Joel Olstein and Creflo Dollar 
and people talk about like, oh, these guys are living in these big mansions and they have planes and is that fair and is that not fair and all that. And I always say to myself, look, if you really, really think about it and really break it down to yourself, the happiest, most fluid and forward moving times in your life, were they because of money or were they because of the company that you kept or the mm -hmm. service or the favor that someone allowed you? Just mm -hmm. ask yourself that question. When I'm most abundant, like I remember once I did a gig for a company and they sent me a $14,000 check mm -hmm. and I had to divvy that up between my people. And the amount that I kept from that was so massive to me after paying my people well, I thought, wow, this is awesome. But like uh, one of the comedians said a long time ago, I forget, was it John Stewart or something? He was like, I remember when I, all I wanted to do was be on Letterman. Like I be on Letterman, I'm going to be set, I'm going to be rich. Yeah. And then I got on Letterman. He talked to me. He said, oh, you're really good. I love you, kid. You're going to be really big. And then I went right back to my roach infested apartment. And next month I had trouble paying my bills again. And, he's, and, right. and I think about stuff like that. Like it's, it's almost all mindset. And I do believe you can be spiritually sound and financially sound, but you work at it. And if you do it in an authentic way, yes, mm -hmm. it can happen. I'm abundant. I'm abundant right now. And I'm going to be more abundant in the future. But mm -hmm. it's also about how you're living in relation to your abundance. I know very, very wealthy people who are horrible. They're horrible people to me. They're so angry at people. They're so like, I'm like, why are you so angry? Because yeah. it's not about the money. You have to figure out that balance. And it's a, it's a true, I really believe it's a true balance. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that maybe 10% of people in life have that balance. And when you watch them and you see them, you know it. It's yeah. very evident. It's very evident. I love that. Thank you, Chase. Cece, you got something? Oh, yes. Good morning. I love the subject. How's it? Um, I actually um, know some very wealthy people mm -hmm. who are not happy, even though they have all this money. And I rushed, I looked at it and it's a heart issue. If the heart isn't right, it doesn't matter how much money a person have or doesn't have. Um, because I've been, my happiness, my most happy, happy times has been when I didn't have much of nothing, where I had peace in my heart. And of course, money answers a lot of things, but those are all temporal. The temporal without money is all temporal because I know God don't run out of money. So mm -hmm. I'm just learning to tap into that source and look at my heart. If my heart is not right, I know God is not going to give me the desires of my heart if I ain't looked at myself and stopped looking at everybody else. Because, you know, these people that that are wealthy, we don't even know if they were given planes or somebody leased it for them. And what I do is stay on my on my on my on my business, nobody else's business, because this is something that I can't work out. So I'm just going to be happy today and be present today and um, be thankful that I still get an opportunity to do something that matters. So mm -hmm. I pass and thank you. That's beautiful. There's a couple of things that I heard in what you were sharing, Cece. One of them is, and hear me out, because I'm not saying that that's what you said. I'm just saying this is what I heard, okay? Um, one of the ways that we justify poverty is by making wealth um, selfish, angry, et cetera, et cetera. And I, yes, there are some wealthy people that are like that. 
But the angriest I've ever been is when I've been broke. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that shit is stressful. <laughs> and and I wasn't the best person because I was like in such a survival thing that I, I wasn't kind because I was I was stressed and I was in desperation and I was like trying to find a way to feed my child or to keep a roof over our head, et cetera, et cetera. And and it brought out the worst in my character. It, it, and I have noticed that it brings out the worst in, in a lot of people's characters when, when we are acting out of desperation. We, one of the reasons why, this is something that I learned from my daughter who's active duty in the Navy. One of the reasons why they keep a, an eye on your debt in the military and that you can't get your credit score past, you, know, you can't go too low with your credit score with your, or too high with your debt. It's because it makes you susceptible to bribery, to blackmail, to espionage, somebody to say, hey, can you do this for this much money? Because you need it. And so they keep an eye on their soldiers and on, on their staff, et cetera, to say, you, you've got to have a certain level of financial stability so that you're not susceptible to somebody coming to you and then wanting to hire you to sell secrets. Right? And I thought that was smart, but also, um, I want to point out something that perhaps perhaps we don't talk about a lot, and that is that all of this conversation that we have about money and about wealth and about the purity of it or the sustainability of it, et cetera, is all under the umbrella of capitalism, which is not the only financial model that we have for how we do commerce and how we survive and how we experience prosperity in the world. It isn't. Um, it has been lauded, it has been, you know, there's a lot of propaganda about this being the best, but it's not necessarily the best. And one of the things that I compare it to isn't other economic frameworks from other humans. I compare it to nature. Hear me out. When a lion is out there trying to find something to eat, that lion doesn't kill 300 deer it kills one, the one is gonna eat and leaves the other ones alone. In fact, 20 deer could pass by, I don't even know if deer and, and lions belong in the same you know, environment, but follow me here. 20 deer could come pass by and if he's already full, he's not gonna bother with them. There's no avarice in nature. There's no hoarding, there's no accumulation in nature. It's like, I'm gonna eat what I need for today, which is where that, that um, saying in the in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. Um, so in that environment, or with that premise of just going for what's useful to me, what's sustainable to me, then I'm not really interested in pursuing, you know, in being a billionaire. I don't know if we need billionaires in this country, in this in this world. Um, and if I were to become one, it would be so that it could be passed on and so that it can be, you know, spread the wealth and so forth, which is why, you know, a lion, when it kills two deer, it's like, oh, okay, now me and my homie can eat, not just me. But those two deer aren't just for me. You see what I mean? That there's, there's a certain level of collective thinking, even in nature, even with predator, predatorial behavior. So I just want to, I just want to put that in, that um, I think... I think a lot of what we think about wealth and about being spiritually grounded, we have to examine the water we're swimming in before we can say whether this is 
how it is. And the best uh, example that I have of that is, for example, those of us who speak more than one language. For example, in English, you put the adjective before the noun, pretty girl. But in Spanish, you put the adjective after the noun, niña bonita. Neither one of them is wrong. But if I were to use the syntax of English in Spanish, it would sound weird and vice versa. If I were to use the syntax in Spanish and use it in English, it would sound weird. I, I wouldn't say girl pretty. You'd be like, mm, I think you made pretty girl, right? And so I want you to be knowledgeable enough of the spiritual language and the material language so that you can understand that syntax isn't wrong in and of itself. It's just the framework and the environment in which you're using it. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because saying pretty girl in English is correct, but saying uh, bonita niña, for example, it, it, it may be passable, but that's not how we say it in Spanish and vice versa, right? Think about that from, from a spiritual perspective. If something, if something, using the universal law, for example, as above, so below, if something isn't universal, <laughs> then it's not a universal law. If it doesn't apply to everything and everyone, then it's not a principle, it's a preference. And it's the same with our spiritual groundedness. First, you get to define it for yourself. And then secondly, you get to check in, is what, is what I'm defining for myself, does that make sense? Is that sustainable? Do I see it done in other places? Do animals work this way? Does nature work this way? Have other civilizations work this way? Or am I just in this little parentheses called the post-industrial revolution? And I think that because, because I just know the history of the past 200 years, I think that this is the way that it is, or the way that it's been, right? And we wanna be not just global citizens of the world, but timeless citizens of the world, that we can leave a mark with our own spiritual journey, with how we impact each other, with our economies, with our contributions, with our philosophies and so forth, and leave the world better than we found it. For some, that's a worthy endeavor, aspiration. For others, they're too busy with survival, desperation. But what I know to be true, that um, when we get clear on where we are, then it's easier to figure out a way to get to where we wanna be. Just like, you know, if you were lost in a neighborhood and then you called your friend and you were like, I need to get to your house and I don't know where I'm at right now. The first, or I don't know where you are. The first thing that they would ask you is where are you now? Just look at the street, what, what corner are you at? And then that way from where you are, they can guide you to your destination. So I want you to get clear on where are you now, spiritually? Do you feel well-fed? Do you feel like you have some unanswered questions? Do you feel like your faith has been shaken? Do you feel like your faith is strong? And if so, then from where you are, where do you want to go? And then the map itself will reveal. Sorel, you have something? Uh, yes. Um, Monica and everyone, thank you. Uh, I first want to say that I was born and raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. So I'm no stranger to confessions and uh, the discomfort of it. Mm -hmm. And so I've always related to confessing and having money in somehow the same way. And I'm discovering that now. Uh, 
like confession is a necessary evil and money is a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. See, if I want to be a faithful Catholic, I'm going to confess. So I used to make up stuff. <laughs> right. Like I killed a lizard. <laughs> oh, Lee, yes. I used to do that too. I grew up Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, so my relationship to my spirituality and my relationship to money uh, shared this uh, aspect where uh, a lot of the people who are uh, rich and have money in Haiti, I consider bad. Mm-hmm. So for me to have money would be, quote unquote, siding with them. Mm. So it's as yeah, if and slaying your people. Yeah. So it's as if in the beginning, I made this choice that I would have just enough to not be dirt poor, mm-hmm. but just enough to never fit in that category of, quote unquote, bad people. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I'm discovering now is that uh, my own, what I call my spiritual groundedness has also been as a condemnation for those who have a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be good Mm. just so I won't be like you. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to flaunt my goodness when you're present. So you can be as guilty as I want you to be. Woo. Yes. And and it's like, wow, um, that, that's that's a recipe for misery if I know what. Yeah, exactly. So it it uh, it it took a while for me to be able to uh, own up to that. Mm-hmm. And it's taking daily practice to remind myself that I have that relationship Mm -hmm. with my spirituality and money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so I'm at, I'm at peace with it. And I'm aware that it's kind of like, uh, that's the way the human being I, I was raised to be functions and sees the world. And now the seeing of it is like, uh, an opening, an mm-hmm. opening to be wealthy now, and an opening to be spiritually grounded now, and both. Yeah. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're not mutually exclusive, right? That's what we're learning, that they're not mutually exclusive and that we can explore how they can live together. Good stuff. All right, who else has something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before you sign us off, I think that um, Sorrel was hitting on what I touched on in the beginning, and I mm-hmm. thought you were going to fix me, and you didn't. So I need more. <laughs> <laughs> Too much I think that a lot of folks were like, oh, I know people who are wealthy, and they're maybe not happy. Yes. Um, but I see us, everyone in the huddle, that we are the wealthy ones, comparatively. Yeah. And sometimes I struggle with that. So thank you for bringing that to light. And Sorrel, thank you for the peace you put around it. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. So here's the part that I want to, that I want to 
say about this? Um, I'm going to say the quote again. Um, Chase asked me to put the quote in. I'm going to say the quote again because I want you to I want you to take some of those words and maybe the homework for today, <laughs> if we're going to have homework, is to is to contemplate on what each one of those words mean. Um, Evan Essar says, "Success is the good fortune that comes from aspiration." desperation, inspiration, and perspiration. Success is the good fortune that comes from aspiration, desperation, inspiration, and perspiration. Evan, E-V-A-N-S-R-E-S-A-R. And I want you to think about where have you given in to desperation? Where has your aspiration left you wanting for more? Maybe you feel betrayed by your own inspiration. And maybe you're not feeling too motivated to exert much more perspiration. <laughs> maybe you feel like you've done enough of that. <laughs> enough of the sweating already. Can I just sit down? Lord have mercy. Uh, so just think about this. Have this be a contemplative moment for you. Because I am of the mind, I am of the heart, that I serve God with mammon. They're not mutually exclusive. Hashtag stand for the and. And when you, when you can see the and, you can be more inclusive, you can see more solutions and you can see more resources than would be previously available to you. So thank you everybody for being with us. Thank you for sticking through this conversation. We love you, see you next time. the daily huddle we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to patty dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body sexy skin a laughing spirit and a rewarding life give give of your time your full attention and of your unique talents move move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive eat mostly plants plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your full potential each day sleep Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give us our best every day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss the stress. Laugh, laugh out loud. From your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back, you will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love, most of all love. With your words, your thoughts, your actions, Power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Until next time, go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. See you next time.